have your Bibles this evening. We invite you to turn with us to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 55. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 55. The Lord began to deal with me about these verses. I actually sitting with Brother Remington one night and looked over and I said, look at these verses right here. Wow, what powerful verses. Isaiah 55, I want to read verses 6 and 7 to begin with tonight, and then we'll pray. Isaiah 55, verse number 6. Would you please stand to your feet tonight as we reverence the reading of God's holy word. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I want to preach tonight on the marvel of his mercy. The marvel of his mercy. Father, I thank you tonight for the good word of God and for the opportunity you've given us to be gathered in the house of God and be, Father, not just under the roof at the church house, but God to be under the sheltering arm of the Holy One of Israel. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight, Father, that you would give us divine guidance and the instruction of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, would you take the passage that we've read from tonight and God, would you give us clarity God, would you give us unction and would you show us meaning tonight, Father? Open this passage, God. Give us wisdom and guidance from the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you tonight, God, that our mind might be focused upon you. God, help us to be able to put aside all the thoughts of the day, the hindrances of tomorrow, and the worries and concerns that we may have now. And I pray, God, you touch us. Lord, I know that people think that we just come in here and we go sleeping on the carpet and walk and get in the pulpit, but we've actually had a day as well. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that our mind would be centered upon Christ and that tonight, God, you might speak to us from heaven. God, there are needs all around us, families in bereavement needing comfort, families with COVID and cancer and, and, and the such, God, needing healing, God, and folks that have calamities in their life going on, Father, and separations and problems, God, financial issues, God. I'm asking, Lord, you would touch them and bless them, God, and help them, Lord, to overcome. Tonight, God, we ask, Father, that you would hear us as we pray, because we see you as the merciful one. We see you as the mighty one. We see you as the one that's able. Lord, would you touch us then tonight and help us, God, as you open this portion of passage to us and give us the leadership of God, the counsel of God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask, amen and amen. We thank you for standing. You may be seated. As we were studying, we ran across this interesting story. There's a, na a man by the name of Crescencio Ibarra, and his daughter was going to be having a birthday party. And he decided that he would make a video to give people an invitation. He said, hello, how are you? We invite you to the, this 26th of December to the 15th birthday party of our daughter, Ruby Ibarra Garcia. And all of you are cordially invited to her quinceanera. 
He went on to post it on Facebook, but inadvertently, rather than hit private, he hit public. And the invitation went everywhere. It went viral. 980,000 shares of this little girl's birthday party. 1.2 million people RSVP'd this little girl's birthday party. Imagine how you would feel if you got 1.2 million RSVPs for your daughter's birthday party. Guess what happened? They had the birthday party and thousands and thousands upon thousands of people showed up. And the Ibarras were overwhelmed and they were unable to deliver the party that they promised to the world. You may say, well, of course they couldn't deliver. I told you that I went to the chicken shack. I guess I'll call them out. Kentucky Fried. And I ordered chicken. And they said, we don't have any chicken. I said, am I at Kentucky Fried Chicken? She said, yes, you are. We have mashed potatoes. We have corn and macaroni. We have some green beans left. And I think we have a few biscuits. But that's all that you can order. This is not Kentucky Fried Macaroni. It's not Kentucky Fried Mashed Taters, although that would do. It's not Kentucky Fried Green Beans. It's called chicken for a reason. I expected chicken when I got there. While I was there, I said, okay, I'm at Taco Bell. Can I order tacos? They said, we don't have any ground beef either. Now, how am I going to get taco without any ground beef? Do you have any chicken? Of course you don't have any chicken. You've already told me you don't. So I can't get tacos at Taco Bell, and I can't get chicken at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And then I went down to Audubon, and I was going to get my car washed. Thank God for it. But when I got there, a young man met me and said, we don't really have employees. I'm the only one here, and so I can't wash your car today. You'll have to turn around and go out the way you came in. And I thought, what are we doing in, in, in the world where people are making promises that you can get chicken, but you can't order chicken. You can get tacos, but you can't order tacos. You can get your car washed, but you can't, nobody's going to wash your car. And when you come to church, are you going to get Jesus? Is Jesus being represented at Bethel Baptist Church? When you come to the house of God here, will there really be mercy? Will there really be grace? Hey, the Lord has promised us in Isaiah chapter 55, in verse number 6 and verse number 7, that if we would call on him, that he would have mercy on us and that he would abundantly pardon us. And I promise you this, God is way big enough to fulfill his promises, amen. You'll not hear anybody complaining that he ran out of mercy. And thank God, you'll not hear anybody complaining that he ran out of grace. There's plenty of mercy, y'all be shouting, there's plenty of mercy and there's plenty of grace to run around, amen. Thank God for what he's doing. Now, when I look in the book of Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1, there is an inviting plea. Remember, remember where the people of God are. They're in captivity. They're in Babylon because of their sin, okay? And God gives them an inviting plea, number one. Verse number one, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good 
and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The people of God are in captivity. That means they're discouraged. You ever been there? We're in a pandemic, months and months long, and people today are frustrated. They are quick to tell you off, and sometimes they'll tell you off just to feel better about themselves. People are discouraged. People are depressed. People are destitute. People are downtrodden. People are in despair. And they need to know that God has not forgotten about them. They need to know that the Lord has not cast them off. They need to know that the Lord is with them every second of every single day. You see, the book of Isaiah is a miniature Bible. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah and there are 66 books in your Bible. The first 39 books of Isaiah deal with the judgment of God. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. The next 27 chapters, chapters 40 through 66, deal with the mercy and the grace and the pardon and the forgiveness of Almighty God. It represents the 27 books of the New Testament. Because of Jesus, we have mercy, grace, and truth, and pardon, and forgiveness. And I bless His holy name. And these people that have sinned, these people that feel like they have failed so miserably, they need to know that God is going to stay with them, and He's not cast them off forever. Look at the invitation a little closer. It's threefold. Ho, that means... Extra, extra, read all about it. Can I get your attention? Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Tonight I'm going to ask you a question. Are you thirsty? Oh, preacher Darren, I've had plenty to drink. This is not just talking about a temporary forgiveness. It's not a temporary solution. He's talking about eternal salvation and eternal forgiveness. Are you thirsty spiritually? Oh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. If you're thirsty, come to the waters. Jesus is water for our soul. Second part, he that hath no money. Oh, economically, people are broke. People are destitute. People are poor in today's society. But he's not even talking about that temporary economic condition. He's talking about you spiritually. Every one of us are spiritually bankrupt, destitute, without anything spiritually. Our righteousness is as the filthy rags of a leper. That is our righteousness. He says you've got no money, but come. Buy and eat. Eat bread. Oh, honey, Jesus is bread for our souls. Oh, man. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for the righteousness? God wants to fill you up. There's a third fold. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. That word yea means, wait, there's more on top of everything else. Yea, wait, there's more. Not only are you going to get water for your thirsty soul, and bread for your hungry soul. But he said, I'm going to make sure that you can afford some luxuries. Wine, which represents joy. God can give you joy in the midst of your discouragement. 
God can give you joy though you're downtrodden. God can give you joy in the middle of a pandemic. God can give you joy. Not just joy, but he said, I'm going to give you milk, that which satisfies milk, that which sustains the milk of the word of God. Hey, praise God for those things that will satisfy us eternally. I promise you today I've had a couple of meals already. And the way I'm feeling right now, I could use another one physically speaking. It's been a few hours since we last ate. You see, the things on this earth, on this earth they run out. But honey, when you get a drink from the fountain, when you get the bread of life, honey, it'll satisfy you and take you on down the road a spell. Hey man, well, I like it. Verse number two, he's talking about people that spend money for that which is not bread. Now the world has an invitation, but they can't fulfill. The world, this is what I'm saying, they're imitations. Look, that which is not bread, it's an imitation. It's an imitation of that which satisfies you. The world will give you an imitation. The world will have a lure. I went down to KFC. I went down to Auto Bell. I went to Taco Bell. Hey, listen, there was an allure there. There was an appeal there. They could not deliver. Honey, the world cannot deliver. But when you look to Jesus, honey, he can deliver us. Hey, man, you can buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why? It's already paid for. Jesus has already paid the pardon. Jesus has already paid for the blessings. Just go ahead and clean him out, amen. And yet there'll be more. Hallelujah to God. He said, look at this. Your labor for that which satisfieth not, hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good. Don't eat this cheap stuff, this imitation stuff. He said, eat the good stuff. Well, I was in revival last week and my wife knows that something, my body, mineral-wise, is a little bit off and real quick, I'll get really bad headaches if I don't stay eating up on my vegetables and things that are good. And, you know, we like to go and get fast food and just snacks and stuff like that. And there's some days a snack won't get the job done. I did not study every night and all day today. I did not study to come get a snack. I studied to get a meal. I studied to get water and bread and wine and milk that God would sustain us and satisfy us and nourish us to take us on down the road. We're not here to get cheap imitations and little snacks. No, we need revival. We need refreshment. We're in the middle of captivity. We're in the middle of social agendas. We're in the middle of pandemics. We need help from Almighty God. Those provisions, number two, there are some incredible provisions that we've already presented to you tonight and they are abundantly supplied. They are abiding substances to us. They will go and take us on down the road. Thank God for the incredible provisions of the Almighty. He has revival when there is no revival. He has love for the unlovely. He has mercy for those that don't deserve it. He has grace for those that definitely definitely have no claim to it. He has incredible provisions tonight, amen. Well, thirdly, look with me. It's just, let's read verse number three. Incline your ear and come unto me. Boy, that likens me to a New Testament verse. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. What do he say? 
Come unto me and I will give you rest. He said, incline your ear. Do you have an inclined perception? Are you inclined to hear what God has to say? Or had you rather hear what Dan rather has to say? Had you rather hear what what some of these people on ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, MSNBC, Fox, CNN, I just cause I didn't name yours don't mean you ain't watching it. You're more inclined to hear what they have to say than what God has to say. In fact, if I could stop long enough, if you're old enough, you'll know who I'm talking about. Some of you are more inclined to hear Bob Caldwell give the weather report than you are to hear what God has to say about our condition right now. And he wants to help you and encourage you. Amen. We pay more attention to the sports desk and the entertainment and the amusement desk and the news desk than we do from what God has to offer us. He has incredible provisions. Incline your ear. Come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. Not just live 60 years or 70 years or 80 years but to live eternally. If you'll hear it from God, if you'll receive it, you'll have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Honey, I'm sure that's what it is that we need tonight. Number three, let's skip down to verse six. I've got to move on. I've got hung up here already and I can't move on. Number three, there is the intimate pardon of Almighty God. The intimate pardon. We read verse six. I like it. It's a good one. I want to read it again. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. D.L. Moody was preaching in the 1800s in Chicago, Illinois. And a man had come forward and Brother D.L. Moody came down to speak with him and talk to him about his soul and being saved. And the man said, well... I really came up here to pray for sickness that I've been having randomly, inadvertently, here, there, and yonder. And uh, I'm not, not, not really here for you to pray about me getting saved. I'm not saved, but I'm not here to get saved. I'm here to pray for my health that it get better. He said, well, maybe God's trying to get your attention. Maybe, maybe God's trying to bring you to a place of salvation. He said, I cannot get saved. He said, what do you mean you cannot get saved? It's not that you cannot, but it's that you will not. It's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a matter of your will, of your choice, of your decision. He says, well, really, I cannot be saved. Not that he wouldn't save me, but I cannot be saved because my business partner would mock me and ridicule me, and I can't go through the persecution every day. And so he said, I cannot be saved. Well, the man, after Brother Moody, he said, well, I really can't pray for you then. I mean, really, if you, you're here not to be saved, I can't really do a whole lot for you. So I'm going to pray for you to get saved. The guy got up and walked off. He never came back. About a couple months later, a lady came down to the altar and she said, I want you to pray for my husband. Maybe you'd come see him. So what's wrong with him? He's really sick. Would you come see him, Pastor? And, and, and so Brother Moody went to see him. Guess what? It was the same man. The sickness that he was having so, so, so randomly has now turned serious. And he's very very sick and brother moody says well i really can't pray for you until i know that you've gotten saved oh he's willing to listen now 
You see, he's willing to seek the Lord when he's found. He's willing to call upon him while he's near. In the time of sickness, he called on the Lord for salvation. All of a sudden, guess what? In the next coming days, his sickness disappeared. Things were better. He was recovered, thanking God for it, but not back at work with his business partner. He wouldn't tell him. He wouldn't share it. He was ashamed of it. Brother Moody said, have you shared with your business partner you've been saved? No. He said, I'm telling you, if you've got Jesus, it's going to get out on you. Amen. Amen. When Mary the virgin, when she became to be with child, it got out on her that the Holy Ghost was upon her. Amen. You can't keep Jesus a secret. Amen. Amen. The time you got to tell it, it's going to get out on you. And the man said, I cannot tell it. I just, I can't. It's, no, it's not that you cannot tell it, but that you will not tell it. You will not testify. They, some of you here, I'm telling you, there are conditions in your life because you will not tell it. Because you will not testify to it. Because you will not live it. You will not tell other people about it. And there's conditions. There are problems. There are situations that are developed in your life because you've become disobedient. Oh, saved, Yes. But if you're saved, you ought to be willing to tell it. Amen, Amen, Pastor, and not be ashamed. And now situations are going on. And the preacher said, listen, he said, you're going to get in trouble with God now that that you belong to him. He's going to wear you out. Sickness returned. Brother Moody went to see him. And he said, you know this sickness is back on you because you're disobedient. He said, I still cannot live it. I still cannot talk about it. I still cannot tell it. I'd rather die as face the persecution from my neighbor. And he went out and met God. I wonder how many others. What if there's people I preach to that's afraid to tell their friends they go to high school with that they call on the name of Jesus? I just wonder if there's somebody you work with that you're afraid to stand up and witness to them. You're afraid to name the, the, the cause of Christ. I just wonder if maybe there's somebody in your family when you get to the family reunion if you're ashamed to bow your head in prayer, if you're ashamed to talk about Jesus in front of them. I'll tell you what, they're the ones that ought to be ashamed. It ought not to be you, honey. If you're serving Jesus, you ought not to be ashamed of Jesus. You ought to be ashamed of living in sin. Verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Look what it says. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That man that D.L. Moody spoke to, look at that verse. He could have come back to God, though he failed, though he didn't testify, though he was disobedient. He could have come back to God. God would have had mercy on him. God would have abundantly pardoned him. Failure is not final unless you choose it to be so. Simon Peter denied the Lord not once, not twice, but three times. And the third times he did third time he did so with curse words. Have you ever failed God? Thank God He's got enough mercy to forgive us. Thank God He'll abundantly pardon us. Amen. Praise His holy name. Well, I read that verse and I think about my unrighteousness as filthy rags. And man, God started moving on me out of the book of 2 Kings. I want to come back to Isaiah, but I gotta jump into 2 Kings chapter 6 real quick. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm just trying to be obedient what God showed me to do. In 2 Kings chapter 6, you talk about a time of discouragement and a time of being despondent and downtrodden. 
in Second Kings chapter 6, verse 24, it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. Samaria is the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. And they're besieged. They're completely surrounded by the enemy. They have shut down all travel. They have shut down all provisions and all supplies. This pandemic thing may get a whole lot worse before it gets better. I told you Sunday night, you better get to thanking God that you can go to the Ingalls or the Milo's or the Walmart and find toilet paper or some provision or some supply on the shelf. You've taken it for granted for years that you're just going to go get what you want. And the first time you can't get it, you start complaining about it, though you never thank God for it to start with. Amen. God's been good to us. He has spoiled us rotten. We're not thankful for hardly anything. All we do is murmur and complain and want it that way. The city of Samaria is besieged. They're surrounded by an enemy. There was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Today, the price of silver is $24.21 an ounce. Pastor, how do you know? Do you have any? No, but hello, I got on the internet and I looked it up. Today's price, $24.21. And if we just decided we're hungry, you're gonna go have to eat a donkey's head to feed your family. And a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver. At the current price, that would be $774.72. And that'd be just enough bone and soup and flesh in a donkey's head that you might get by with one little old bitty meal for the day for $774. That's all there was to eat. For us that complain and us that murmur, imagine going home and telling your girl today, girl, I bought you a donkey head. We're going to make donkey head soup. Be thankful for it. And it cost you $774. If times got that bad, I can show you boys something. I probably wouldn't have $700. And $74 to go eat a donkey head. So now we're going to have to eat a fourth cab of dove dung. Can I just say what it is? It's dove poop. And you're going to chop it up in little sections. And it says right here they're paying five pieces of silver. That would be $48.42 to eat a piece a dove dung. I'm glad I go to a church where we don't have to sit around here and eat dove dung and eat donkey heads. We can get in the good word of God and we can have wine and we can have milk and we can have bread and we can have water and it won't cost us one single saute thing. Hallelujah. 
as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him saying, Help, my Lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? Then she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son. You see that? Cannibalism. She killed her baby and boiled in a pot so they'd have something to eat because they didn't want to eat dove dung and they didn't want to eat a donkey head and now they're eating babies. Not just any baby, her own baby. Lord God, we're devouring our children every day. We may not be eating them physically, but we're selling them off so we can be entertained and amused and let cell phones entertain them and you don't know unto God what they're doing. They're not even old enough to have a cell phone. What were you thinking? Your cell phone is not your babysitter. This woman said unto me, Give thy son, they will that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. Now, king, I want justice. What do you want me to do? I want you to make that woman fulfill her promise. Go get her baby. Let's kill it so I can eat it. She made me a covenant. She made me a promise. They are murdering two babies and eating them. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Now, the king, did he arrest that woman for killing that baby? No arrest. He just passed right on by. He rent his, he rent his garments he tore his clothes as if he was so grief-stricken. I'll, I'll shorten it up. You know what he did? He said, God, do so to me and more also if I don't have the head of Elisha the prophet. He's caused all of this. He said there's coming a famine and it's his fault and I'm going to kill the man of God. Now, did the man of God bring a famine or was it sin that brought the famine? Was it the enemy that God allowed to surround the city that brought the famine because of judgment on their sin. Instead, they're blaming the church. Instead, they're blaming the man of God. Hey, who are we blaming nowadays for a pandemic? Vaccinated, unvaccinated? Democrat, Republican? Church goer or non-church goer? They say now, boy, I feel preaching stirring. They say the church is not essential. And let me tell you why they think we're not essential. Because we made ourselves not essential. If we'd pray and do what God called us to do, things wouldn't be as they are. We ain't got nobody to blame but ourselves. And he's threatening the man of God. Listen to what my Bible says. You ought to rend your hearts and not your garments. The king rent his garment. Why is he not written his heart? Because he didn't really care. He's madder at the man of God 
than he is at two, two, these two women. He's madder at the man of God than he is at Syria. Boy, I tell you what, we got some misplaced aggression going on. Chapter seven. So the man of God, he gets up and he says, verse one, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. He said by this time tomorrow, in 24 hours, they're going to have bread, buy one, get one free. Whole loaf. No more donkey heads. No more dove dung. No more eating your own babies. God's going to do a miracle. And tomorrow the price of gas won't be $3 and whatever a gallon. It's going to be on sale. I mean, from then on. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? In other words, he's scoffing. He's ridiculing. He said, there ain't no way we're going to have such blessings in the middle of this plague, pandemic, in the middle of this besiegement, in the middle of our social activities, in the middle of this economic recovery we're in. Things are right on plan. <laughs> he's laughing at the man of God saying, you're an idiot. You're a moron. You're a maniac. We don't believe you, man of God. Elisha said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. You go ahead and laugh and make fun and mock God when God says, I'm going to give you joy when there's no joy. You go ahead and mock and make fun of God when God says, I'm going to bless you with the greatest of blessings in the worst times of your life. God will let everybody else have joy and you'll have none. And you're going to sit there. Let me tell you, you wonder why sometimes you sit here on the pew and you wonder, I don't feel a thing. But everybody else is running and shouting around you. They're climbing pews, laying on the altar, weeping and crying and you don't feel a thing. Have you believed God's message? Have you believed God's word? I mean, if you had believed it, you'd have shouted about it. If you had believed it, you'd have rejoiced in it. But instead you said, might this thing be? Well, you're going to see it, but you're not going to get to enjoy it. And just because you mock it doesn't change what God's going to do. God's going to do, though you mock, and people's going to enjoy it anyhow, anyway. I come to verse number three. There were one, two, three, four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit here till we die? These men had a diseased predicament. They had leprosy. These men had a disappointed perspective. They had no food and they had to live outside the gates of the city. They had a destitute position. Nobody could come in contact with them. If anybody got in so many feet, they were required by federal law. To say, unclean, unclean. They had doomed prospects. Nothing they did could keep them from dying. They have leprosy. They have a desperate plight. They're saying this. 
If the lack of food doesn't kill us, leprosy will. So as they come to this decision, they said, why sit here or why sit we here until we die? Dying is bad enough, but to sit around doing nothing about it is even worse. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to sit around and do nothing and die. It makes no sense not to shout and rejoice in the blessings of God. It makes no sense not to believe Him. It makes no sense not to pray. It makes no sense not to seek and read and pray and search and look for the things of God. They made a decision. Now they said, if we say we will enter into the city, then the famine's in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us fall to the host of the Syrians. Let's go to the enemy. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. We gonna die anyway. Let's just quit sitting here and let's get up, bless God, and do something about it. They get up, look with me in verse five. They rose up in the twilight. They got up, left their place of disappointment. They, glory to God, they left their place of desperation. They left their place of doom. They left their place of being destitute and they stepped out on faith. They went to the camp of the Syrians. When they got to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there's no man there for the Lord. Oh boy, there's something supernatural. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the, the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. You know what they did? Verse 7, they got up and they, they left camp. They were afraid the enemy, the Israelites and the Hittites and all the others are coming in. They're going to raid us and kill us. They ran off and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. In other words, they got rations of food. When they, remember where they were, they were outside dying of starvation, dying of leprosy, and now when they got up by faith, God has given them rations of food. Plenty to eat, plenty to drink. What did it cost them? Not a thing. They got water and bread and milk and wine without price. All they had to do was get up by faith. And carried thence silver and gold. Is that what your Bible says? My Bible says silver and gold. <laughs> hey man, riches. God just blessed them with pockets full of silver, pockets full of gold in the middle of an economic downturn, no matter what the price of gas was, no matter what a donkey head cost, no matter what dove dung cost, God blessed them with more than they've ever had. How'd they get it? They stepped that on faith. That's all they did. And God, listen, they're still lepers. 
But God's got mercy. He's had mercy on lepers. And he's feeding them. And he's blessing them with finances. And raiment. That's changes of clothes. I wonder if they wore Adidas or Nike. I wonder if they had the finest of hats. Boy, I like a flat bill hat or I like one that's curved. I want a cowboy hat. There's a cowboy hat. I like Levi's. I like Wranglers. They had both. Hey, I like slacks. I, I, I like polyester. I like silk. They had both. Hey, I need a new suit. They got plenty. They got black, gray, blue, light blue. They got white if they want them. They've got rain. I'm telling you, God has, if you look at your closet, God, and look at your pantry. God has given you rations of food. God has given you raiment. God has given you riches. Honey, he's been so good to you. They had so much that they went and they hid it. I mean, they're sticking it over here. They stick it in their pockets. It's trying to, they stick it under the piano. They stick it underneath the, underneath the pulpit. They hid it under the front road. They hid it back here in the closet. They hid some down in the baptistry. They even cut some of them pumpkins open and put some gold in there thinking I'll come back and get it when I need it when nobody's looking. They had so much it's coming out their ears. They didn't even know what to do with all of it. God has just opened the windows of heaven and poured them out a blessing. They entered into another tent and carried it thence also, and went, I mean, they just blessed and blessed and blessed. And they said one to another, we do not well. Wait, whoa, time out, preacher. Looks like to me they're doing pretty well. They said, look, read on. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry to the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Here's what they're saying. We found mercy and grace and favor and God's been so good to us. How dare we not go back and tell everybody else. Back home, they're eating dove dung. Back home, they're eating donkey heads. But you can come down here and you can buy and you can eat without price. God will water you, give you bread, wine and milk. Honey, we're having a bona fide time in the house of God and everywhere else is struggling. Why we'd be idiots not to go tell them. God's blessing down there. You need to get in the mercy and the favor and the kindness and the grace of Almighty God. Well, that sounds good how you get it. You've got to go by faith. You've got to get up from where you are. You've got to make a choice. You have to make a choice to rejoice. You have to make a choice. You're going to have to leave that old sour disposition. I come in here too. I've had a day too. I mean, it's been a long day. I had a long day yesterday. You have to make a choice. I'm going to serve God. This is a new day. I don't plan on wasting one. I'm going to do what he has to do. I'm going to rejoice in the goodness of God. You need to make a choice and just go ahead and say, you know what, when I look around, God's blessed me and blessed me and blessed me and if I don't go tell somebody about it, I'm not doing well. Well, they came, they told everybody and they believed the message. They got so excited, they started rushing to the city. You remember the king's advisor who said, this will never be? They were so excited they ran over him and they stomped him and he died. 
He saw them rejoicing. Amen. And Chase took him out. Took him out because he didn't believe God. Now, I want to go back to our text. Back in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Turn there with me. I'm almost done. Isaiah 55. God says in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my way, are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Look at verse 9 and look at verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not hither, but watereth the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God said, let me tell you something. I rain, I send rain, and I send snow. And when it falls, it waters the plants. And they grow. And the rain don't go up and the snow don't go up. It comes down. And it accomplishes and calls growth and nourishment and maturity. So shall my word that goeth forth, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Like those four leprous men, there I was sitting outside the gate, diseased, destitute, doomed, discouraged, hopeless, on my way to a devil's hell. And there wasn't one thing I could do to get out of that predicament. But one day, I heard about a man named Jesus. And I made a decision. I'm not going to sit here on my pew and do nothing. I'm not going to sit here and ride this pew off into hell. I'm going to get out of my pew of disappointment. I'm going to get out of my pew of discouragement. I'm going to get out of my pew of doom and gloom. My pew, my pew of being downtrodden. My, my, I'm going to get out of my pew and I'm going to go down that old-fashioned altar. And I'm going to render my knee to the, to the Son of God. And I'm, if I sit here, I'm going to die. But if I go up there and trust Him and His mercy and His pardon, He'll forgive me. And He'll save me. Because He shed His blood. Woo! Those four men did not chase an enemy. Those four men did not fight a battle. Those four men did not earn any gold. Those four men did not sew a garment. All they did was walk in on something God had already done. They got in on the mercy of God. When the devil was destroying you, when sin had defeated you, you walked in on Calvary. You walked in on the mercy of Almighty God and I'm saved because He shed His blood for me. I'm, whoo, the enemy, He's run away my enemy, amen. What am I so afraid of? He's done scared them all off. Hallelujah. And He gave me abundant life. He gave me peace. He gave me joy. He gave me salvation. He gave me pardon. He gave me redemption. He gave me a promise of heaven. He's given me the Holy Ghost. He's given me the Word of God. He's give and give and give and it's running out my ears and I ain't got no place else to hide it. God, well, hallelujah, God has been good to me. Man, I ought to be running laps in this church. Bless His holy name. 
I don't deserve mercy, but he gave it to me. I don't deserve grace, but he gave it to me. God's been good. Well, Pastor, you're getting just a little bit excited there. I think you need to tone it down just a little bit. Honey, this might not be the message for you then. I really wonder if you're going to go to heaven. If you don't like shouting here, you will get there. Amen. You're going to see people that's never walked running. Circles around you. Hallelujah. You're going to see people that the devil gave such a hard time and rode all the time. They're going to be rejoicing because the devil's done put away and sin is gone. And now we've got a new body and we've got to wear our loved ones and we've got our Jesus. Honey, I'm telling you, glory, hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm just reminded about something, Brother Richmond. This is not a figment of my imagination. It's real. I'm really saved. I'm really on my way to heaven. This is not a dream. Don't wake me up. This is real. Amen. And one day, I'm going to see Jesus in heaven's glory. We're going to see Miss Dorothy. Woo! I'm going to see my brother. What a blessing. I hung his neck and walked down the streets of gold. Oh, because Jesus abundantly pardoned me and saved my soul. I say hallelujah to God. Ain't he good, church? Ain't he good? We ought to just take time out and shout a while. Have you got your Bible? I want to give you a verse. The book of Romans chapter 9. You about preached me to death. Romans chapter 9, verse 15. I tell you, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, he'll ring you out, amen. He'll ring you out, amen. Romans chapter 9, verse number 15. Oh, I'm just sitting here thinking. You know what? I've got family members that need what I have. I've got friends that need what I have I've got people in my life that need what I have and we do not well Bethel for us to sit here and bottle it and can it we do not well if we don't find a way to get the word of God out and tell people about the mercy and the grace of almighty God well I got a verse book of Romans I'm not even there yet. The book of Romans chapter 9. Help me, Jesus. The book of Romans chapter 9. Look with me in verse 15. For he saith to to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Preacher, what does that mean? It's his right. It's his prerogative to show mercy to who he wants to have mercy. It's his prerogative to have compassion on whom he wants to have compassion. Well, preacher, does that suggest that he wouldn't have mercy on me? Here's the question. Are you hard-hearted? Are you willing to bow your knee and ask him to forgive you? If you'll ask him, he'll have mercy. Amen. If you'll ask him, he'll save you by his marvelous grace. But the choice is yours. Mm -hmm. 
I got to quit. All right, so there's a woman. She's got a, she's got a drunken husband. He's not only drunk, but he's abusive. He's verbally abusive. He's physically abusive. I mean, he's just a, a bad sort of fella. And she was in revival. And she asked the evangelist, would you maybe come over to my husband and my house? We want to cook you dinner. He said, I'd be delighted. I have no plans for tomorrow. So she invited him over. And she cooked all day. And when the man of God got there, she walked in and she set him down to the table and set her husband down to the table. And she set a plate for the preacher and a plate for her husband. She went and got taters and corn and green. I'm, I'm hung up. And chicken and Taco Bell. And she brought all that stuff and she put it on his plate. And his, her husband looked and said, well, honey, here's mine. And there's the preacher's. But where's yours? And she said, I've made a promise to God that I'll not eat again until you get right with God. She said, because I love you. And she said, she said you're, you never know when you're going to take your last breath and you'll go to hell. And she said, I'm going, I could sit here and do nothing about it. But I've decided to step out on faith and I'm going to start fasting and I'm going to start praying. So you enjoy your supper with the preacher. And I'm going to go in here and pray for you. Well, that made him mad at first. But she didn't care. She stepped on faith. And about two days later, he come got a hold of her and said, Honey, if you don't eat, you cook me eggs, you cook me biscuits and gravy, you fix me a peanut butter sandwich, you fix me chicken, you fix me pot roast for three days now. Honey, you're going to waste away. You're going to be the one to die. She said, I'd rather die. I'd rather die as live without you in heaven. I'd rather die on this earth. And I'm telling you, finally, he said, honey, I can't take it no more. Go call the preacher. I'm ready to be saved. And God saved him. You see, he'll have mercy on whom he'll have mercy. He'll have compassion on whom he'll have compassion. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As far as the heaven is above the earth, that's how far he is above us. We have not got him figured out. We do not have a monopoly on him. But we've got to get out and find a way to tell people about Jesus and what he's doing in here. You stand to your feet. Oh my, the marvel of his mercy. Brother Seth, you come play. I mean, can you believe he saved you, a hog gut sinner? Can you believe he saved you after what you said, after what you did? Can you believe he saved you? Woo, I can't believe he saved me. And I'm telling you, I'm not doing well if I don't tell somebody. Oh, would you come be thankful for the mercies of Almighty God. Oh, God, help us. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for your manifold mercies. I thank you for your blessings. God, you didn't have to, but to be God, you said you would. And you did. And Lord, you gave me that one opportunity. And I spurned it. I rejected you. Oh, what a fool I was. But that didn't discourage you. You came back a second time. And a third time. And you had mercy. And I want to thank you for your mercy. You had mercy and sent your son. You had mercy and sent the Holy Ghost. And said, don't get him here. And he knocked.
Holy Spirit, mercy, grace, and truth. 